Hey, my name is Roy Cantabria. I'm going to be your host today on Archie Talk 101. And we have a special guest with us today, Adam, uh, Dustin Adam from Adams Precision Archery. We're going to have a little conversation here. We're going to see what he's doing in the archery world and, and and get some pointers out to our new archery. So uh, welcome to the show, Adam. All right. Um, Dustin. Dustin. <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> I keep good, seeing man. it. <laughs> Your shirt says Adams, and I keep focusing on the on the Adams on there. So, Dustin. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So, how did you get started in archery? Uh, man, so so I'm a first generation um, archer. My, you know, it's not something that was kind of like you know passed along from my dad or granddad or anything like that. Um, you know, just friends that I grew up with, and and uh, and you know, more more recently, you know, actually. Um, kind of started getting into it and, and uh you know that was four or five years ago and and so now you know here I am and I try to study it and learn about it now and and uh it, it's just become you know my second love behind my family so I enjoy it man I enjoy it it's a great time and and uh I just kind of decided to get into it all my friends were into it and, and I wasn't and now I am so <laughs> sometimes so that- I think like that so that's why you got started. All your friends were archers, and then you didn't want to be left out, so you kind of joined them. And bow hunters, man. Yeah, <laughs> they were all bow. They were all bow hunters, and, uh, and and I didn't do a whole lot of hunting because, again, it wasn't a you know my family wasn't wasn't full of big hunters and and all of that. So uh, and then it it just kind of one thing led to another, and and uh, now I'm now it's pretty much the only thing that I do other than work. <laughs> <laughs> work, work, and hunt. What 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 else is there, right? Especially yeah. with your bow. That's it. So what yeah. kind of equipment are you using? Using compound and yeah, so so I, I shoot a Matthews bow. Uh I, you know, I, I uh shoot a V3X29 uh and then I have a VXR, a 31.5 VXR. It's a backup. Um I've shot some other bows, and you know, Matthews isn't the isn't the only manufacturer out there, but it's just suited my archery style the best and and um it's just a proven product so i enjoy it and uh and yeah they're great bows man i suggest them to everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh one of my first bows was the matthews q2 old school and, yeah yeah old school and then i i i bought an archery store and it was a bait and tackle and archery and there was a psc dealer so i went down to spend a, a week down in tucson arizona at the PSC dealer school and part of the cost of it was getting a bow sure. and I go to the guy says okay I'm shooting the Matthews Q2 which one of these should I get that's at least good or better than that and <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's like okay this is what I'm shooting now and, yeah. uh, and I said when I set it up you know not knowing as much to do now about setting them up I shot it through paper got a perfect hole for a shot you know I set it up and that's the way it shot and of course, now I've learned that paper tuning is basically a waste of your time if you know how to set them up. You don't need them. Sure. It'll it'll, te- it'll tell you if your spine is off. You know, you get different distances, but if it's set up right, and, and I use levels and lasers to set my rest up, so you can't get any more better than that. Sure. Um, so it's perfectly center shot, and uh, so I got the PSC Carrera. That was in two thousand one. I still have it. That's my hunting bow. <laughs> <laughs> That's well before my archery time there, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started in archery back in the 60s uh, with a fiberglass recurve bow, uh, oh, shooting yeah. with arrows. 
because there was there wasn't much else there was no compounds they didn't come around until about the 70s yeah and i'm sure they were uh man i'm sure they were way different than they are now i mean oh oh yeah yeah way different man the technology (laughs) yeah and and way slower a lot of guys would shoot 90 pounds to get any kind of decent speed out of them and and now there's no reason to go past 70 um for most people one thing it's awful hard to shoot yeah start getting into the heavier weights definitely um, the let off gets heavy and you get shaky and 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 i think that leads to target panic and all those different things so yeah i think a lot of guys man a, a lot of guys get really I, I think hyper focused on on things like draw weight and i need to pull as much weight as possible and you know what I, I think archers need to realize is that you know there, there's not a north american animal that you can't kill with 60 pounds of draw weight or 65 pounds of draw weight that you know these guys with the 85 and 88 and 90 pounds i think i don't know that you're doing more you know more good than harm when it comes to your body you know what i mean so yeah, some some people are strong enough they can pull those and it's not a big problem sure. uh, you'll have little flatter shooting arrows your pins be closer you don't judge your yardage quite so bad you know so good but um you know shoot what you're comfortable with 100 percent, yeah I, I i i see too many guys and i i have friends that do it too man they, they just they force the issue as far as draw weight or, or try to step that weight up too quickly when they're getting into the hobby uh and it's just you know you, you can hurt yourself man uh i hurt myself whenever i was getting in <laughs> so i'm speaking from some experience here <laughs> Yeah, I know when I I started, you know, I got my one compound bow was at 52 pounds and I shoot an aluminum arrows in because carbon didn't exist yet for arrows. Right. And and it was a full length arrow. So it was like 34 inch arrow and I'm shooting, you know, 30 inch draw length. Um, (laughs) I'm 29 and a half is what I'm actually supposed to be, but it was a little bit long uh, because I didn't know any better. And at 52 pounds, I was about uh, 20 feet up in the air, and a deer is 40 yards away. And I shot that deer, and the arrow was, almost went clean through the deer at 52 pounds. Yeah, that, that, so that's uh, a perfect example, right? And again, this is yeah. before, this is before uh, before carbon, man. I mean, you know, th- these oh, new yeah. technologies and stuff. I mean, uh, make it much easier to get that type of pass through shot and everything. So. Yeah, I mean, I think just think that's a testament to the fact that again, we, I mean, you don't need to even shoot seventy pounds. I mean, I personally shoot seventy because you know if you can comfortably do it, then why not? But uh, wants and needs, right? I mean, it's uh, right definitely a line between the two. So, um, yeah, yeah, I found that when I shoot seventy, my form's better than when I shoot at sixty because when you draw back in that form with the back tension and it's not as hard, I don't have to pull so tight into it. And I shoot better at 70 and um, I go to shoot a 300 round. I'm shooting at 70 pounds with my hunting bow. Yeah, I I totally agree. But, you know, for for me, uh, it's just I think that that's what I'm so used to now weight wise. I've got some friends that shoot 65 and 63. And and if I were to, you know, when I'll do some tuning and stuff like that for those guys. And when I when I draw that 63 pounds back, I'm like whamming into the back wall. (laughs) Because you're, I mean, it's just, you know, it's such a huge difference. Even that five pounds in draw weight, it's just a, a, oh, a yeah. exponential difference. And, and uh, you know, you're smashing into the back wall and shaking all over because you've gotten used to that, to that let off or hold weight, you know, as far as your, as far as your 70 pound draw goes. I know when I was going through that, uh, you know, I was increasing a little bit of time, a little bit of time. And I think I got to like uh, 59 or 60 pounds and I just couldn't for the longest time 
I couldn't pull more than that. And then I finally get to 62 and then all of a sudden, then it just jumped to two. I go right to set. I can move right up to 70 with no problem. Um, part of it is learning proper technique. Proper technique will keep you from having shoulder problems. Um, proper technique will allow you to draw more weight, hold more weight. Um, I did an interview with a physical therapy doctor on shoulder problems because a lot of archers will have shoulder problems because when they draw, they, they'll push that shoulder up. That's right. And, and that causes shoulder problems because now your your tendons are holding, so you want to drop down. So there, there's just a lot of things that, you know, uh, over the years I've seen and watching yeah. videos, I can I can watch a video and I can pick out all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had uh, personally. I mean, I've had I've had some shoulder issues from the time you know when I when I first picked up a bow and started and started um, you know shooting and practicing and trying to learn about technique and all that. But at the, you know at the very beginning, you're not worried about any of that. You just want to pull the bow back and look at <laughs> sight and and hit that down there. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, just point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point and shoot, right? Uh, but, I, but I ended up having some shoulder issues from it and, and luckily was able to, to sort that out without having any type of surgical intervention and, uh, and, and then really started focusing on the form, which I think, you know, people who are just getting into archery really need to pay attention to, to learning how to, how to, to, to draw a bow with the proper technique and the proper form. And, and I think that, that, you know, that's just pays big dividends to them down the line, not just from a standpoint of the condition of your shoulders, but yeah. Uh, you know, just, just uh, consistency and shot performance and, you know, and all that stuff too. So it's important. Yeah. I, I was on one of the forums and the guy showed his forearm and there's a big old bruise right here. And my comment was drawing's too long. And that's all I said. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, and knock on wood, you know, I've never had the, I've never had the thing in the forearm, man. I, it, uh, it looks, it looks terrible though. So, so I'll be, uh, you know, yeah, I'll be looking to stay away from that. <laughs> been, been there, done that. Yeah, not <laughs> before, before I learned. Um, my first uh, compound that I bought, the first one I shot was my brother's bear whitetail. And okay. and those were kind of unique. Uh, but my first bow I bought, I go into the archery store. And and this is way before I knew anything, probably um, early 90s or late 80s. I forget when it was now. But and grabbed a bow. I drew it back. and was like, uh, okay. Uh, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. It's like, she said, how does that feel? I was like, okay. It was, I thought it was 32 inch drawing. So it was the 90s. <laughs> so in about 90, 95, I went and actually took some archery instructions and then become an archery instructor. And I thought I was 32 inch drawing. He says, no, you're 29 and a half. So now to continue on in the course, this was like a Friday and then it was a Friday night and then a Saturday and a Sunday or something. I forget it was two or three days. So I had to do Saturday throughout the day. I had to get my bow down at 29 and a half draw length. Well, it's <laughs> a huge or, difference. Huge difference. Change the string is with the only way you can really do it then because you didn't have modules to change. It was, right. you know, a lot of them was you changed the cam. And yeah you're not doing that and so i got it down to 29 and a half and, and shooting learn how to do it and and you're know, going through this back then it was i don't know, like 300 or something for the the course but this is back in the 90s sure so now it'd be way more than that but i'm shooting it says i i don't like it I don't feel right don't feel right don't it's like oh this feels good i shoot 29 now <laughs> all the way down to 29 are you settled there yeah. 
Yeah, I'm settled there. Now, the reason yeah, I went to 20, the reason I, <laughs> the reason I went to 29 and 20 and a half, that puts just a little more bend in the arm. So now in the wintertime, when I have my big heavy parker on, I don't hit my sleeve. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it, the, the clothing definitely can, can affect that. And, and uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm always a believer of, of practice how you're going to how you're going to be as far as uh, when you're in the actual, you know, the scenario, the hunting scenario, or if you're a 3D shooter or whatever, I mean, wear what you're going to wear and make sure that everything is everything is on point, man. These guys with these giant jackets that have never shot their bow with them and and then and then get up there to do it and they got the the string tearing their sleeve off and 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 just causes lots of trouble up in the stand, man. Uh oh yeah, you could you could miss by several feet if you hit your arm. Yeah. yeah. I did that when I was shooting my bow, it was too long. I actually hit the arm and instead of hitting the deer where I supposed to, I actually hit it in the artery or you know that i think that was in the back leg or something caught an artery so i i, I was able to watch it you know it didn't go very far but it hit my arm and not through the whole shot off and i could have you know just wounded an animal or, or better yet miss but you know unfortunately i did get one you know did get it but you know it's one of those things that you just got to know what you're doing yeah could have been worse could have missed him or 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 injured it and sent it off running and, and suffering, you know what I mean? Which is, you know, ultimately that's, that's the, that's not the goal for us uh, as bow hunters, you know, you want it to be a quick, humane. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and in uh, last week's podcast, I talked about uh, uh, what to do to get ready for your hunting. And there's a lot of things to think about and a lot of people don't do it. And one of the things is you've got to shoot your broadheads. You have to. You have yeah. to shoot the heads. Uh, so, so I mean, people would be amazed if you if you take an arrow and you you get your bow perfectly dialed in with a field point, right? And then you and then you you go through the entire off season and you practice and get it dialed in, and it's and it's you know you can shoot a bottle cap from fifty yards or whatever you're whatever you're able to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then you you find yourself in a hunting setting where with a with a broadhead, whether it be a mechanical or a fixed blade or something like that, and and, and you miss a 25 yard shot or a 30 yard shot. And, and that's just because, I mean, uh, arrows are going to fly different, uh, with a broadhead. I mean, that's just, uh, I think that that's factual information. And, uh, and, and our job is just to, uh, try to find the, the broadhead combination within, with the arrow that's going to perform at the same level as a field pointer or as, uh, as close as possible, um, and maintaining your bow's efficiency, you know, and so you, you have to shoot the broadheads. I shoot them all year long, uh, just because I don't want to have that situation where, you know, the buck I've been watching all year comes out and I haven't shot my broadheads and <laughs> now I'm about to miss him, you know, <laughs> so yeah, be, I, be very pleasant. I, I shoot muzzies. That, that's the only broadhead I've ever shot you know when i first got my first bow i, I asked her you know what broadhead and she said muzzies and haven't Try gone wrong I, I i've i've shot through bones uh, actually one day when i had my store uh, i was shooting a little bit tired and i have a broadhead target i shoot in because i don't shoot in a regular backstop because it just tears them up yeah, but yeah. i have a broadhead target and i missed it was concrete block wall that broadhead yeah. it, it cracked the insert and broke the shaft back a little bit, but the broadhead was actually stuck in the concrete block. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I still, I still use it. It didn't hurt the broadhead at all. Same broadhead. Same broadhead. So I still <laughs> use it. It didn't even mess up the tip. And well, I listen, go up there and it's like, just pull the broadhead out of the block. 
If I had that kind of experience, I would be shooting the same broadheads too. I would never switch. I would never switch. Um, so, uh, you know, I shoot an iron wheel, a single bevel, uh, 125 grain, just because, man, I've had great success with their, with their products. And, and it's, uh, like you said, um, you know, I watched this guy uh, named John Lusk. He does broadhead testing. Um, and he's, he puts them all through the torture test. Of course, the muzzies are, like you said, I mean, they're tried and true. They're like, I think really like the beginning, right? Uh, right. Broadhead technologies go, but, uh, this guy shoots concrete blocks and puts all of these products through torture testing and all that. And then the iron wheels have stayed pretty tough, man. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of a single bevel or, or a, a fixed blade head. Um, but you know, I, I think it's preference. <laughs> I think it comes down to preference. Yeah. Getting them sharp is another problem. You have to work on them because, you know, the mud with the replaceable blades, it's a little bit harder to get that really super, super sharp, even a brand new broadhead. You need to hone it up a little bit to get that sure. super great, right, you know, blade on there. Um, the one of them I looked at was, I think the Montec G5, which you can actually use on a flat stone to sharpen them and hone them because right. it's yeah, set up that way. Cool pretty popular broadhead too because you know i think that uh like that broadhead and what's the other i'm trying to think of the the qad the exodus right uh, they're they're kind of you know they're kind of similar and, and they're in a they're in a in a good price segment uh and i think for that price segment those are you're talking about some of the best broadheads on the market man i mean they're just they're tough as nails they're consistent they're reliable and and uh like you said you, you know they're, they're reusable as far as being able to resharpen and and all of that um sharpening broadheads is I, it's i mean it's tough work man <laughs> it can yeah. really, really be tough work and and uh so you know I'm, I'm glad to see companies like that making them a little bit easier to to do you know yeah and it can be hard on your fingers too when you get them in the wrong spot <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about uh your uh business here the adam precision archery you know what made you start that uh, man. So, um, so I think that the whole thing kind of, kind of started when, um, when I started to, to take a, you know, I think that every, okay. So I think that every archer has, has a cycle, right? So you, you get into it, you buy a bow, you, you just buy, you go to your local bow shop, you buy a set of, buy a set of arrows, uh, and, and you start shooting the bow. Uh, and, and then I think that, for some people, there's a natural progression where you start to get more and more into the tuning side of it. And I, you know, you can almost, almost become obsessive uh, about that, about that type of stuff. Cause I see you shaking your head. So yeah. Definitely yeah. Been um, and, and so I think that's really where it started. I started to, I started to learn more and more um, about just how significant simple things with your arrows are that wh whether or not it, it spins true with a broad head on it or, or, you know, front of center and these types of topics, right? I started to get more and more into that. And uh, I started building myself uh, custom arrows. Uh, and then my friends liked them and I started building them for them. Uh, and, and then that kind of just snowballed and, and grew into a, into a thing where, where I was, you know, all of a sudden I'm building these arrows and I'm sending them to people in Texas and Massachusetts and Oregon <laughs> And, uh, and so me and my wife just kind of decided like, Hey, listen, let's, let's make this thing legit. Let's, you know, let's, let's open a business and see if we can see if we can do something with it. You know what I mean? And help people and sell a high quality product and provide a, a high level of service to the customer. Um, which I think is important. You know, it's, um, 
it's important that you that you provide a service if you're charging a premium, you know, and which we are. So um, so we do a consultation with, with the customers. Um, you know, we talk with them about their, you know, of course, the bow specifications and, and the game that they're hunting and and, uh, you know, their desired arrow weight or, you know, uh, what they're looking for in particular and what issues they're having with their current, you know, products that they're using. And then we come up with a build plan for them. And, uh, and then I build them and send them to them and, and everybody loves them. <laughs> so, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that continues, man. Yeah, that's, uh, that's always a thing that uh, you got to work on your arrows. And I remember one time when, when I was still shooting aluminum arrows, I took it because I didn't have my store. I'd buy like 100 grain tips in a bag of 100. So mm -hmm. I would put on my scale and weigh them all out. So I got I got a dozen of exact same weight. And then I weighed the shaft. I'd fletch them, weigh the shaft. And then I'd you know, the knock on there. And then I'd take and lay on the scale, the insert. And then I I figured out what each one weighed. So now I went through and I would file the insert a little bit uh, before I glued it in. And then, so now all my dozen arrows were within like a 10th of a grain in total weight. That's, that's a uh, super tight, super tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, okay. Uh, I think arrows were like 30, 40 bucks a dozen. I'd have probably charged $60 just for the labor to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's, I did it once, never did it again, but you know, just time consuming. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. time consuming. <laughs> I, but but I think that that you know, I think that some of the time consumption is is offset when you start to get a get a workflow going. You know what I mean? I've got a you know, we have a full service shop, uh, and, and we have it set up uh, where uh, you know you you start on one end of a of a long table, and by the time you're done, you're you're on the other end because you just move down the line. It's almost it's almost become robotic, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It becomes like an assembly line, which is great because I've got, uh, we're inundated with orders over here. So it's, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So need it to be efficient. Uh, it, it could, it could get out of control quickly. You could lose control of your organization for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, uh, uh, you know, come about this time of year when we're starting getting into archery season uh, here in Nebraska starts in September. So we have, probably about five weeks before it starts and it seems like that two to three weeks before my all my fletching jigs were completely full yeah. all day long all, all day long fletching arrows i got and, they're in there now right now with, <laughs> the, with the arrows in them <laughs> yeah i had a joe jan that would do straight fletching and then i had um like a dozen and a half single jigs uh most of mine, I think I have like eight bits and burgers with the straight yeah. clamp, the right helical, as well as the receiver to do uh, cock feather out as well as uh, down or up. Yeah. You know, what do you do? So I have, depending on if I'm doing like traditional arrows, then I need the cock feather out because you glue on the knot. So it has to be the right, right. way. And, and but for other ones, you know, like the, the rest we're using, either the shoot through, you want it down, not out because then you're hitting or drop aways, you want it up so it doesn't hit. Yeah. Uh, you know, now I've, I've got, uh, probably about a little over a dozen jigs now, you know, the disadvantage of that is every arrow is much slightly different. Right. So, so when I'm building a, when I'm building a dozen, I, I use two bits and burgers and, and that's it because I mean, you know, nowadays with these, with the glue systems that they have with these primer pins and the, 
and the and, and the max bond. I mean, you can't. So I had to learn, right? If I put ten jigs out there, right, there, there's no need for that because I can't go any faster than I could between two jigs because the glue dries so quickly. Like, right. I mean, you know, once I get this one over here, you know, get, get a good purchase on the shaft over here, it's time to go over here and, and refletch this, uh, this next arrow. Mm -hmm. so it's back and forth and I can, I can run through a dozen of them in about, uh, I don't know, about 35 minutes now. So yeah, it's not, well, it's, it's and, and I use the, the fletch tight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice thing about the fletch, the platinum is it works on wood, aluminum, and carbon. And I started using that because if you're doing wood arrows, your CA doesn't work too well on wood arrows. Um, yeah. uh, you can do it. And in feathers, it doesn't work as well in feathers, but doing veins, you know, it's really good because it dries almost instantly. Yeah, like uh, like, like seconds. Seconds. Yeah. One <laughs> jig at all, you get me. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the key with that is, though, is don't put too much on because if it squashes out and turns all white, it's just a very thin bead is all you need. Thin uh, bead. The CA glue. Yeah, it, it, the the purchase on the shaft is the most important thing. Just make sure you have good contact from bottom to top, and and uh, and the rest will take care of itself. These glues are incredible, man. <laughs> yeah, and the one thing I do on on all my feathers is I'll take a drop of the glue and put it on the front and back of the feather, because yeah. as you go on, you get that big ridge, and you can catch that and start ripping it off. They put that yeah, in you, there. Now you have a little bead at the front and back, and holds those. And, and that works really well. For sure. For we, we tip feathers. ours when we do them like that. Uh, just like you said, to prevent, uh, you know, once it starts peeling up a little bit, I mean, you know, eventually it's, it's, it's going to come off of there and it's going to perfect your, or excuse me, affect your performance. So uh, just put that little bead up there to, to keep the, the front of it down all the time. And, and you should be good to go long-term, you know? Yeah. And it just, there's just a lot, lot to do in customizing them. And, and then you can put wraps on them. Uh, one of the guys in our in uh, the Archer Talk 101 group, he custom makes them these, uh, I think he's in Portugal. Or I forget exactly which country he's in, but he posted some pictures, just some really cool looking feathers. Uh, he just puts in a lot of work on them. Yeah. And, and you can do all kinds of stuff. I use uh, uh, a fluorescent wrap on my hunting ones. And you take a little flashlight and you can see them way off at the distance. Yeah. The, because it glows. Just, just, like yeah. just like the reflector tape on the streets. Sure. You know, the, the paint does the same thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the reflective wraps are crazy, man. Uh, it, it kind of a yes and no eliminates the the need for a lighted knock because, you know, for, for me personally, uh, you know, the, the biggest benefit to lighted knocks on an arrow to me is is not so much being able to see what I've hit, but being able to find that arrow after the fact, you know, when it's, when it's dark. And so these reflective wraps are crazy, man. Just hit them with a flashlight and there you are. And you've saved, uh, you've saved 12 or 14 grains of weight on the back of the arrow, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and there was one time I shot and I'm going through with a flashlight and I, oh, there it is. It was underneath a tree, like an evergreen tree. It was like, I'd have never found it otherwise. Never. Yeah, it would have been gone. It, it would have been gone. And and when you look at broadheads, you know, they're they could be easily 10 bucks or 15 bucks a piece for them. Oh, e yeah, definitely. Easily. Easily. And, and then then when you take the arrows, um, I shoot the competition grade arrows from hunting arrows. Sure. Uh, because I, I like to have those nice tight groups, even when I'm hunting. It's it's probably more important in hunting because if you're 
shooting target, what's the worst thing that happens? Well, you lose a point, you might lose a tournament uh, or, or you're doing 3D and you lose an arrow. Uh, but if you're hunting and you wound an animal now, then you could spend hours looking for deer yeah, or whatever the animal is. And and it may it may it may live for weeks and then finally yeah. die from uh, you know gangrene or whatever it is in there. Yeah, and, you definitely you definitely want to you definitely want to set yourself up to make the to make the right shot when that time comes, man. I mean, uh, the the last thing you know, I've had experiences um, before, you know, where, where unfortunately unfortunate experiences where I've where I've made a bad shot or made a maybe a, you know a, a poor shot choice and and uh, and then you know not recovered that animal for a significant period of time or maybe even never. And it's, it's a bad feeling, man, because, you know, we always want to make a, a clean, ethical, quick kill, you know? And, and I, I think that, uh, I think that having your setup ready to go and, and being able to depend on that is super important, you know? Well, and that's what I do with my broadheads. Um, I'll shoot my broadheads and get them set up so I can hit the X ring with my broadheads. Yeah. I mean, it, it so, so that, you know, you know, when that time comes and you're in a, a deer stand or in a blind or whatever, uh, any, any error that happens is, is going to be human error. It's not going to be because <laughs> you the equipment, you know? Yeah. Maybe, and I know buck fever got involved. <laughs> yeah. I've done that as I drew yeah. up on a deer and shot completely missed it. Yeah. Everybody like, has. Wait, wait a minute. What's going on? So I saw I had a field tip because I, you know, I carry a field tip with me, you know, you know, during hunting season, you know, no deer around and a squirrel comes by and have my tag. Uh, yeah, I still got some. Yeah. yeah. So I took this one. I picked out a leaf on the ground and hit it. How did I hit a leaf on the ground and miss a big deer? I forgot the aim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, any, any bow hunter that tells you he's never gotten buck fever, he's not telling you the truth. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> You know that the elbows shaking and the and the knees shaking and I mean yeah I mean I've had some experiences where I, man listen I it felt like I should have brought oxygen with me like <laughs> out up here but yeah that's why we do it though right I mean that's that's that uh, that feeling is why we do it so yeah so uh, yeah yeah I love it man yeah you you got to know your equipment how it shoots Definitely. I know in my hunting mode my when I shoot my target arrows it does not hit where my broadheads hit they're not in the same spot sure how so, far off are they? uh 20 yards they're probably off probably about an inch okay well that's or, or, or an inch or an inch and a half something like that yeah. um, it's instead of in the x ring it's still in the the five ring but it's not where it needs to be so yes. when i shoot my broadheads i'm there but i shoot field tips i shoot like low left but the okay. broadheads they're they're nailing them you know right in there and that bow is set up to shoot broadheads so if i shoot practice with it not shooting broadheads it's not going to hit where i'm aiming right and i know it's not so i don't worry about it because as long as it's grouping the same spot on every target it doesn't matter yeah 100 percent. yeah it does not matter yeah and then my newer bow i have a 2003 uh, psc scorpion okay and, and that was one of those they came out with it and then, so I got an early one because as a dealer, I was able to get an early version of it. Then they released it for 2004, and it was a single cam instead of a, a, a two cam. Yeah. And and then they dropped it. <laughs> How, so, so they come out one year. 
so I, I have a unique one. You yeah. know, I looked up on the looked up on the specs and it says, okay, the strings, you know, 90 some inch long. It's like, no, I have a string, a control cable, and a bus cable. So <laughs> I got a hold of a, a PSC and I says, here's the serial number on my bow, and it sent me back the exact specs. <laughs> so and I'm I'm using that bow as my uh training because I have a whole series going on in the group. So that's in the Arch Talk One One Facebook group. I have a whole series of lessons. I started off with uh creating making the strings. So I show how I make the strings and then installing the string and making the cable and then and the bus cable and installing those. And I'll be going on the next one as I'll be setting up the rest and then how you know adjust that. And then going on just oh, the man. whole series, taking it from start to finish, and that's all free to the group. Yeah, uh, that's awesome, man. And 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 you know the 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 group has people. I mean, they come; they're there to learn, right? And so I think it's really awesome that that you're that you put that much focus into into you know covering these individual topics with with people who who need this information and want this information. And and it's you know it's a pretty awesome thing that you guys are doing over there, man. Yeah, and, and that's why I want the group you know, no links. I don't even post links in it, you know, because I don't want anybody to feel like, okay, they're being sold to, right. they have all the other stuff. It's only information and you can ask any question you want. Uh, the only stupid question you ask is one you haven't asked. Correct. Because it's only stupid to you. If you don't know it, then ask it, you know, and I've been working with beginners for, well, since 95 and teaching many, many of them how to do that. And, you know, I've got, I've got guys that are grouping, I've done this multiple times, you know, six, seven inch groups at 20 yards down to arrows touching at 20 yards. Um, one place I, I worked, uh, I think I was working over at Bass Pro for a while in their archery shop. And then I worked at the Bells in their archery. And this one guy come in and 45 minutes later, he's now shooting groups that are touching or just about touching. <laughs> you know, started off an eight inch group. Start with his shooting way too long a draw link. So I fixed that. Yeah. And and, and it got his form fixed and, and way to go. And um, I had one guy I taught uh, two weeks after I taught him his first bow. Uh, he got a Robin Hood. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, he says, oh, look, I did. I wrecked 20 bucks. No, I got a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. What do you think the, uh, what do you think the most common uh, form flaw is in, in beginners? Well, like I like to tell people, um, I'm going to give you first lesson for free. Quit pulling the trigger. Right. Okay. Everything else, that is the biggest problem because when you think about it, moving that index finger is a fine motor skill. Moving too fine, uh, I of course, talking, I can't do it. Move move your index fingers differently or patch head, rub your tummy. And I guess, well, I can do that. Switch hands. Yeah, don't work too well. <laughs> Aiming is a fine motor skill. So is pulling the trigger fine motor skill. Humans cannot do both at the same time. You got to pick one or the other. So while you're aiming, you can't pull the trigger. While you're pulling the trigger, you can't aim. So what are you going to hit? Because you're not aiming anymore. <laughs> right. right. You're, you're focused just <laughs> on trying to get a good trigger squeeze. <laughs> <in your head. laughs> you, you know, you know, I have to tell you, okay, go back in your draw and have that finger out. Now try and move your finger without thinking about it. And they can't do it. You have to think about the finger. Once you think about the finger, you stop aiming. You're not going to hit yeah. the target. Interesting. <laughs> now, I've seen some very good shots that are out there like that, and they just kind of just cram on the trigger. But 
you know, you, you want to go to the next level? Consistency. Just pulling right? the trigger. So, right. Come, yeah, it comes to consistency. Well, that's uh, that's good information to have, man. I see, you know, when I, when I see guys, uh, <laughs> when I see guys, you know, post videos or, or pictures and stuff like that on Facebook, you know, and then I look at the comments from the, um, from all of the experts on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So-called yeah. experts? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, everybody's all, the first thing is always to attack the grip, right? It's the grip, loosen your grip, loosen your grip. And, and I'm looking at some of these guys and watching some of these videos. And I'm like, man, he can't loosen his grip any more than that. Why are you telling him to loosen the grip? So, you know, it's nice to have somebody like you who, who, who trains, you know, uh, introductory archers and, and, uh, and looks at things like trigger pull instead of just the grip, man, because I think there's a lot of bad information out there, man, for, for guys that are, that are just getting into the sport, you know, um, I'm sure there's good information as well, but I mean, it's like, man, these guys are just banging on this grip repeatedly. And, and the guy's hand is literally open on the grip. So, <laughs> well, what I see a lot of them do is they got the hand open. They won't have a sling and they'll grab the bow when they shoot. Right. Uh, you don't want to grab the bow. I had, had one, I had some video. I, I, I got the one bow I'm working on. I got a little bitty short stabilizer on there. And I've never really set it up really good. I just set it up and shot it. And the strings are original strings until I started it. So they they were not very good. And one of the things to tell when your string is bad is your people consistently line up. Sure. Because it keeps rolling on you, rolling differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so I says, you know, what's wrong with this bow? You know, and I, I said a picture and say, well, you're not grabbing the bow. You're not holding the bow. It's like, no, dude, you can't hang onto the bow. You don't want to hang onto the bow because if you grab that bow can you consistently do it 100 of the time that no. bow will do the same thing 100 of the time the bow will do exactly the same thing every time it doesn't have to be tuned you can have a bow that's so out tuned that you're surprised it still shoots and it'll still be consistent correct the, the inconsistency comes from the person shooting the bow obviously. right yeah 100 now when you put it in your hands that makes it more difficult for you to actually get where you want it to go but it'll shoot the same way every time. And you're shooting the same arrow, it's going to hit in the same pain. But when you start putting different arrows in and you know, probably human factor in it, that's when when the bow problems are out of your mind. Uh, that's why I know there, there are some archers out there that will only let one person work on their bow because that takes it out of their mind. They know that person can do the good job. They know what's going on. They know it's not the bow's problem. It's their problem if they're hitting off. And, you, you know, anybody has target panic, I can fix it. Yeah. Target panic is because you're pulling the trigger. I've got a buddy struggling with a, a close friend of mine right now struggling with target, with target panic pretty bad, man. He, he, uh, you know, he went to, uh, he shot tack in, uh, Tennessee, uh, right. A couple months ago, and I don't know what happened there, but it's like ever since tag, man, he's had this target panic because he's never, I don't think he's ever, you know, been through a course as challenging as that, you know, tack is the real deal, man. And so, uh, yeah, ever since he's, he's struggling with it. So I'm going to pass that information along to him and be like, listen, Royce, it's definitely the way you're pulling the trigger, man. Get it together. (laughs) Get, get, get him in, get him in the group, invite him into the group and and we'll go in there and, you know, I have my coaching lessons too, you know, maybe, uh, maybe sign up for an hour of my time. I've fixed a lot of people in an hour. I uh, yeah, also yeah. have group ones going on, a little bit of advertising for my coaching program, but I, I have private yeah, lessons yeah. as well as as well as group lessons where we meet once a week 
and sure. we'll review videos and get on a live call, you know, like a Zoom Zoom call. Um, kind of how we're recording this, but it would be live as well. And, you know, target panic is caused from pulling the trigger. You see the pin go over the target. You, you say, pull the trigger, shoot now. Pin moves off and your mind, your eyes see it and your mind says, oh, don't shoot. It comes by, shoot, oh, don't shoot because it moved off. That's target panic. 100% of the times because you're trying to pull the trigger. Well, Watch him when he's shooting next time. I bet he's pulling. Yeah, the I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm gonna have to check it out. Maybe I can. Uh, maybe I can uh, pass a correction along for you. <laughs> send, send him my way. I'll fix it. <laughs> All right, done. You got it, man. <laughs> but you know that that's that's what we got to do for the, the people that are struggling, and, and that's the biggest reason why I created the the podcast. I, I created the course. Um, I created the podcast. You know, the the group. You know, I have all that in there too help archers overcome those problems uh, i've even had um competitive archers you know it says you know have a video and i'm watching the video and i said there's there's not much i can say but here is something that i see you might think about changing this or looking at this yeah let's and this this, this is a competitive archer that that shoots at a high level and i still able in a video pick out something that they can change improve that list little bit you know the, the better you get the more you need coaches because it's hard for you to solve it and well, because i i think that 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 everything becomes you know i think once you get to a certain level right everything's like okay now let's let's focus on the super fine details right let's get better right incrementally now instead of these huge improvements that happen when you really practice a lot and and uh yeah i mean i think once you're shooting at a high level i mean you, you can only get you can only become so good right now you're now you're picking and choosing these tiny little things to, to try to get that that small improvement there you know well and that's that that's something that uh, all athletes have coaches of course name one athlete that performs better over than oh uh, just a social athlete which i'm not really calling that athlete it, it is a sport but any athletes that are competing have a coach yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely. Yeah, boxers, they have a coach. Uh, skaters have a coach. Uh, football players have multiple coaches. Yeah. They have a big coach. They have a coach that coaches their specific task. Offense coaches, defense coaches, uh, quarterback coaches. Yeah, everybody has coaches. Uh, no matter what your sport is, you know, if, you, if you're into cycling, you're, you're going to have a coach. Um, if you're into archery and you're doing those higher levels, you know, anybody competing at the Olympic level, guaranteed they have a coach, at least yeah. one. As they should. I mean, it's coach. The need for a coach when you're a professional athlete or a high level athlete is uh, significant. They can see you. You can't see yourself, you know, and and maybe they don't possess the athletic ability. Right. Like, obviously, they're not on that same athletic level. But but from a knowledge standpoint and the ability to watch what you're doing and help you to, to correct those and, and kind of grow as a, you know, an archer or a football player or a golfer or whatever it is that you're into, you know, um, it's critical, man. It's critical to, to, to achieving that high level, I think. Well, and even, even I have coaches for what I'm doing now, you know, creating, creating the Facebook group and, and the pages, creating the course, uh, just learning all that. I've got coaches that that i'm paying for to help me in what i'm doing 
uh, you know, whether you're you're doing um, an entrepreneur, or you're doing affiliate marketing, or you're investing in property. Um, I also invest in property, and I have a coach for that that's helped me through that. That you you need that support staff, of course, and and, and, and that's masters of their crafts, and you need right. to, and you need to learn from them if we're if you're not the same, right? If you're not on that same. I think intellectual level about these things, not intellectual level. That's, that, you know, that's probably the wrong word, but you know, you know what I mean. As far as the the um, that skill level as it pertains to that subject, you know what I mean. Then then certainly we have to we have to swallow our pride and and <laughs> listen to them because they know more about it and they're they're you know more specialized in it. So they're it's only going to benefit you, you know. Yeah, and you know, and and you have to have an open mind and. In the many, many years, this is going to sound kind of weird, but if you have a, a a husband and wife, the wife will want coaching. The husband does not. I teach the wife. She outshoots the guy 100% of the time. Well, it's the ego, right? It's the, it's, right. it's our ego, right? No, no, I don't need help. Like, eh, maybe you do. That's why your wife's shooting better than you. <laughs> yeah. Now. Now in the uh, Facebook group, it's it's the other way around because the guys are in there because they want to learn. Sure. And, and a lot of them are learning, and those that learn the most, are the ones that are involved, you know, get in there, ask questions, post some videos. Um, we'll we'll take a look at it. You know, that information is free in the group. Yeah. You know, it's it just the yeah. personalized one that you know it's not free, but uh, <laughs> it's probably well worth it though. Well worth it. Right. Right. And the other thing I do to help kind of help people out is, is uh, I offer a free 15 minute consultation call. So I'll get on the phone with you and we'll talk about different stuff. It's not going to be a zoom call. I'm not really going to do a lot of teaching. Um, I just have you fill out a little form. So I get to know, you know, do you have a bow, you know, information about you, you, what are you expecting? You know, what do you want to learn from uh, coaching, you know, coaching for you. And then I'll go through the call and then we'll see, you know, is coaching a fit for you? You know, sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. You know, some sometimes some people just I have, don't have it. Some people just yeah. don't have it. You know what I mean? That that coaching mentality, like some people don't, and that's okay. Well, and, and some already have a coach. You know, they're already learning from somebody that is that is got some good knowledge, and what I have to offer isn't going to provide any extra value. So sure. for them, what they have now is perfect. And and I run into those. I'll tell you, it's like, you know, what you have is good to stay with them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I can, I can help them out, but is it worth our time, you know, their time to spend that in there when they're, they can ask the same question to their coach that has, has the knowledge that they're learning. Yeah. From. And somebody else, and, somebody else may not have, have that and, and need the, need that attention. Right. That's not, you know and, what I mean? And, 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 you know, I don't want to teach something different, you know, you know, I don't want to teach a different way of doing it. That, that just confuses, you know, the, the archer, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things I've been able to do, you know, as you go through looking at them, it's like, okay, what has your coach been teaching you? And then what are they telling you? And then I can, I can shift to, what they're teaching and and maybe make a few of corrections in their teaching it may not be the way i teach but i've been doing this well 25 years so yeah, <laughs> i, I can i can kind of see you know what's what's there and and you, you get where you can you can talk to somebody for a few minutes and 
you know, I got to where it's like people come in and I talk to them a few minutes and I, I don't even offer any advice because I know they're they're not open. You know, you yeah. learn Some you know, just how that and it's like you you don't want to learn, don't learn. You want to learn, I'll help you all I can. Yeah. And on my 3D rig is my NFA instructor patch. So I keep that on my rig. That's where I put it. And I don't so everybody can see I'm an instructor. And then if they ask me questions, I help them. But if I'm at the range shooting, I'm there to practice and shoot myself. I'm not going to say, oh, I can fix, I can fix this. No, I'm there to shoot. But if I have the patch on there, they say, oh, you're an instructor. Oh, can you help me with this? Like, okay, they give you a few pointers. Now, if you want more detailed or long-term stuff, you know, then let's schedule an actual coaching session. Yeah. And, you know, I give I give tips all the time. Somebody says, you know, what's going on with this? Like, well, try this, try this. Well, that's you know, awesome. Try this and try that. So. Very cool, man. Very cool. <laughs> so <laughs> if anybody wants any custom-made arrows from, sounds like probably the, the best custom arrow maker out there, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, so... I would love for those guys to come over and follow us on Instagram. We're at, uh, at Adams precision archery on Instagram. Uh, my email address is Dustin, D U S T I N dot Adams precision archery at Gmail. Uh, and then also visit us on the web at Adams precision archery.com. Uh, so that's A D A M S P R E C I S I O N archery.com. And, uh, and we have an inquiry uh, form there where you can kind of fill out some pretty basic information as far as, you know, what you're looking for, what you're trying to accomplish. And then that information comes to us and, and I'll reach out and do a consultation with them. And, and uh, again, just have that discussion, like, you know, as far as what we're trying to accomplish, what kind of game we're hunting, what issues you're having with your current equipment. And then we'll, we'll decide on a build and, and go from there, man. Uh, it's been great. Our customers have been awesome. Uh, we're super thankful for, where we are in such a short time and and uh and the product is high quality and high end and and um and people are, are loving it man i'm i'm building some i'm building hammers over here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man it's uh it's exciting we're really excited about where we are and, and where we're going to go and, and in the future here um you know we're going to be launching additional services and products i'm hoping to you know break into the the bowstring uh market here in the next probably I don't know, six months or so, start manufacturing bowstrings and and uh, have APA bowstrings out there on on people's bows, and uh, we'll we'll even make a make a set for for some early two thousands models bows, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I make my own, so let me step off. <laughs> <laughs> but but that would that would be interesting to try that. Uh, you know, just just to see how how they work and you know yeah. get some get some going in there because you know making arrows. Nice thing about uh, the arrows and strings, making your own string. What colors you want? There's uh, I don't know, probably thirty different colors. More than that, man. I mean, there's it's it's insane what is available now, man. It's you know, and I you know I don't think I really have anything to reference that against because I wasn't you know ten years ago I wasn't into archery, you know. Uh, <laughs> So I don't have that, you know, that long-term experience like that, but I mean, the, the options are endless and becoming more all the time and, and the materials are becoming more advanced and it's, it's crazy. It's a fun time to be an archer. Yeah. I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I use BCY uh, products uh, for the sure. string material. 
Use a 452 or a X99 or what do you uh, have? The 452 is a new one. I got an 8125. Okay. Which is a fairly fast string material. How's the creep? Uh, none. None. Oh, perfect. No, they're, they're basically none. It's very, very low, low creep in it. And it works really well. I have had really good with that. And then the other string I use is also BCY, but it's their uh, um, B50. Okay. Now that is what I use on recurves and longbows because you don't want to use the the other material, the 8125 or the fast bite materials that you use on compounds on recurves because you can break the tips off. Right. It's a reinforced design for it. So you want that other material, which is a little bit more forgiving in there. And there's tons of colors in that. I, I think I probably have a dozen different colors of each material to make them from. So <laughs> well, you'll never get bored with your bowstrings then. <laughs> no, it's like, what colors do I want to use them? I mean, and I, I made up a whole bunch of little different samples of, of string material combinations, just a little bitty short ones. Um, you can see some of the different yeah. colors you can put in them. Uh, you yeah, can do you pink, pink chartreuse and pink, and you have blues and golds and tans and mountain berry. And, uh, you know, I don't like making just a plain straight black string. Uh, Me either. Me either. Everybody, everybody makes, uh, um, you know, the black strings and stuff. I've seen some now where they're actually making, you know, with like a fluorescent green. The whole thing's fluorescent green. Oh yes, I've seen some. Uh, I've seen some now that are just like super loud, man. Like, <laughs> like man, that they're uh, they're just like you know popping off the bow. They're so loud, man. Super. <laughs> but uh, man, there's a lot of good materials out there now, and a lot of a lot of a lot of choices, which is great for people who are getting into getting into archery now. I mean, you're not you're not handcuffed to a black bowstring and and uh and that's great that's awesome and, and you can do three colors if you want i've done a three color one uh, i've actually done one that was two colors and instead of twisting them i actually braided them oh cool so you take twisted them inside of each other and then it's kind of cool because they form like little v's on your string yeah that's very cool yeah and and then you can twist them as well on there you know on top of that too but uh you have to kind of plan for that because it shortens your string more than just a few twists. So you have to kind of plan for that when you make yeah, a string. Sure. But you know, that's all all stuff that it don't take long to make a string, you know, when you got everything all set and ready. And and when I had my store, I I didn't stock any strings. The strings I had in the store ones are left over when I bought the store, and I still have all of them left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're they're just spin not, up real quick when a customer needs a string. I mean, just just uh, you know, spin a string up real fast and be done with it instead of having yeah. inventory. And, and they come in and say, "Well, what color you want it?" Oh, just but no, you can't have just a black string. What color you want? You know, <laughs> you can have two colors. And, and so I'd make all custom strings, and it don't take long. I had, actually had one guy one time call me up, like an hour before we close, <clears throat> and uh, he says. Do you have a string for my bow or can you make one? That's like, I'm closing here in a few minutes. Can we do it tomorrow? And he says, No, I got a tournament tomorrow and my string's bad. I need it replaced tonight. I was like, Okay, come on out. And so I come out and I actually started a string after he closed. We locked the door so I, I knew nobody would be bothering us. And come in and you have to look at the how wide the track is for the string. Some are a little skinnier and some are a little fatter. Now, like on a string, you have a variation. 
Um, I think like on eighty one twenty five, it's it's like eighteen to twenty two strands the normal. Uh, yeah. you, you can on some go down a little bit more, depend on number of strands. So I started making it because I knew it was skinny. So I started making it. Sure enough, no, it's going to be too fat. So I threw it away because it's not worth tearing apart. I'm starting over. It's just quicker, yeah. easier. Yeah. You, buy a roll, you buy a roll of string material. I think you make one string out of it and the material's paid for. So it's Correct. not worth your time. Yeah, so, yeah. So I made another one, got him all gone, out the, out the door. By the time he came in and left the door ready to go practice that night, it was less than an hour. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. And and uh, I've actually, yeah, I've, I've spent some time doing some research on that and, and working with it. And and I think you can make a quality bowstring if you have the correct equipment. I think you can make a a high end quality bowstring probably in about forty minutes, forty forty five minutes. Does that sound right yeah. to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can do that. Now, of course, it all depends on how long it is too. A single yeah. cam, they're running your 90, 100, 104 inches long. And it takes so much longer because you have to walk down all that distance to run the strands over. Where a little yeah. short one, like in the 50, you can just kind of just lean back and forth. So That's you're right. quicker that way. And when you get really short, and it's actually harder to make the string when it get really short because the jig, you have two little prongs at both ends and you turn the one. And if it's too short, it's hard to get them there, especially once you've served the one end. Not so short. The longer one's actually easier. So yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. I've been been making strings for uh over about 20 years now. So <laughs> well, so so safe to say you've got some experience. <laughs> right. Well, one of the things I learned when I went down to the PSC dealer school in, in 2001 was back then a lot of your your bows had steel cables on them. It's crazy, man. <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> well, at the time, it was a pretty good idea. And the problem with that is you have to replace both of them because the one broke, so it's no good. So you have to take off the other one and measure that length you want. And you have to make two new ones because the one broke, the one's not far behind. You have to make two and they have to be the exact same length. If you're off by more than a 32nd of an inch, you can't twist the cable. Right. You got problems. <laughs> and you so may have to remake it. Timing issues and everything with that as well. Right. Right. Because you, you can't twist them or anything. So they have to be made exactly the same. Yeah. And that's an art in itself. And then it got to where that wasn't popular. And then cables, you could get them. You know, I could get a cable for 20 bucks back then. That's all it was for cables. And then last time I, I heard it was over $100 for a single <laughs> cable. Yeah. You got to buy two. Yeah. And so that's $200 just in materials plus your labor. I'm going to charge you at least $200 to make those because if I mess up one cable, I have to buy another $100 cable. That's right. And that's, that's on me, not on them. So yeah, I'm going to charge you that. four to $500 to make a set of steel cables. Now, I don't think you can find them anymore. Uh yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. That's crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah. You know, you back then it was strings and cables now. I mean, for 150 bucks, you know, and you and you have that flexibility of being able to, you know, to, to twist cables and adjust lengths and stuff like that. So I think it's uh it's it's come a ways, yeah. I think yeah. the downside of that, right, is if you have a steel cable though, you don't deal with any stretch or anything, obviously it's steel. So no, uh, you know, once you get your timing in and everything with that, it probably stayed in time, I would think. Yeah. But those old bows, you, you really couldn't time them that well anyway. Yeah. 
they weren't, you know, the quality of the bows now compared to then is just far superior. Um, the technology, man. Right. You know, so if you were off slightly on them, you know, you could probably be off by, you know, a 16th of an inch and still be fine because most people wouldn't know the difference in them. And right. sometimes you can take and, and tweak the limbs a little bit. You know, there, there's a whole thing in tuning that you can go through that really makes it, you know, next level on your shooting your bow. Yeah. And you, you see yeah, that you know, obsessive mindset that we were talking about. Earlier. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been uh, been great talking to you. I'm, I'm sure hey. we'll be talking some more because you're in you're in the Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, so I know we'll be talking some more. But I want to thank you, Dustin, for being on the podcast. It's been real informative, and I, I'm sure know our listeners will enjoy it. Yeah, and, man. Thank you so much for for having me, man. I, I feel uh, I feel privileged to uh, to to have been here and had this conversation and. And, uh, and, and I'm really grateful to you for, for bringing me on and, and, uh, I've enjoyed it as well. Yeah. And I'll have, I'll have a link to contact you in the description for the podcast. Awesome. And Thanks. then I'll also put a link uh, to join the Facebook group there. You can get free advice. Uh, also put in a link. If you interested in coaching, we give you a 15 minute uh, free consultation. I'll put a link into a form to fill out to get that. And, We'll we'll see you uh, uh, next week. Once again, my name is uh, Roy Canterbury, and I've been your host uh, today on Archer Talk uh, 101 with my special guest, Dustin Adams. Thanks so much.